Hello folks, I'm Scott Turnso Outdoors, and welcome back to Fish Story Podcast. Now it's getting towards the end of September, and it's a uh, full swing hunting season around here in Idaho. I've seen a ton of pictures of big critters hitting the dirt, from people flinging arrows and muzzleloader hunts. There's some early rifle hunts going on, but the main part of hunting season is just about ready to start. October 10th marks uh, the point when most of us are going to get in the field and chase after deer, because that's the general season oper for down here in southern Idaho, and I thought it fitting that I tell a big old buck story. This is actually my biggest old buck story, and the biggest deer that I've actually ever seen. Um, I was lucky enough to harvest it. Now, maybe I've seen one like running off in the trees that I just got a glimpse of and never really saw how big it was, but it is the biggest deer that I've ever laid my eyes on that I know was huge, and uh, I feel pretty lucky for that. And uh, you know, I, I've always had an affliction for deer. Like, I don't know if it's an addiction, curse, whatever you want to call it, but there's just been this uh, this mystery around big mule deer that has just always captured my my mind. Uh, you know, getting after a big giant thirty inch plus mule deer, just I mean, you get this adrenaline rush from it. There's nothing like it. Like, there's something about trying to outsmart one of those big old bucks in their backyard. And when you're successful, for me, there's no better feeling in hunting. And a lot of people love getting after elk, which that's awesome. It's cool going out and chasing after elk with a bow and bugling those things in. They come in mad. You know, I've never been afraid of a mule deer coming in and trying to gore me or stick me or uh, getting after, you know, you get after a bear that could scratch you up. You know, it's cool to go out and hunt after antelope and shoot those things long range like they're cool looking critters and they taste great, but uh, mule deer have been long since my favorite. And uh, I think very possibly what started my addiction was I was with my great grandparents up at Magic Reservoir and there was a public dump that you could just go and just take your garbage and throw it in there. And then they just cover the thing up. And uh, I found this forked horn rack that somebody had thrown away. They just nailed it to a plywood piece of plywood and it had some green felt on there. And uh, I kept that thing and my grandpa thought I was crazy because my grandpa never kept a single rack his entire life. And he shot a ton of deer in his lifetime, never kept a single one. The only rack he ever kept was one that my grandma shot and it was a big two point and it hung over the door at their house down on 17th street. But uh, he just thought I was nuts. And uh, that might've been the point where, uh, I don't know if you, it could be a curse, but I just love mule deer. So uh, I got to take you back to tell you the story. I got to take you back to the Dewey Slopes of Valley County, Idaho in 1997 is when the story first starts. And this is actually the year before I harvest the deer. I was actually up on a fishing trip with a good friend of mine, Lonnie Smith, and we'd gone up in the high country and we were uh, just looking for some mountain lakes to try and catch some trout, maybe some cutthroats in. And, uh, we were driving up this old dirt road up above McCall and I look up on this hill and I see three big old bucks standing up there and they're up on an old logging road that just kind of snaked down the hillside through the timber and they were standing up on the edge of it. And every one of them looked like he was just outside of his ears. And this was first of August. They were still in full velvet, but they were all just dandy bucks. And I mean, I'm here to tell you, I put that in my memory banks right then and there. And I had full plans on coming back up there. And we actually saw another good buck later that day hiking into a high mountain lake. It was a nice four point. 
And uh, so 100%, I was coming back in here. So when I got back to town, I told my buddy, Delson Rich, I'm like, hey, I found a spot for us to go hunt general season because it was a general season hunt rifle. And uh, so we, we made plans October 5th to go up there and hunt the spot because back then it opened October 5th and they've pushed it back since just to kind of shorten up the season. There is going to be a ton of people chasing after them. But uh, so we go up opening morning, October 5th, and uh, we hike up in there. It's dark and early. We get up on this hillside kind of where I figured these these deer were probably hanging out and watering in between water and the ridge up where they probably bedded. And uh, I was like, all right, which way you want to go? Because we pretty much had split up at this point. He's like, well, I'll go left. I'm like, all right, I'll go right. Well, he picked wrong because I walked maybe 75 yards and I see this old buck peering around this tree. And as soon as I realized he was outside his ears, I let the lead fly. Well, this is a pretty good buck. It wasn't my giant buck, but I walk up on this deer and he was a nice five by six, probably in the mid 160s. Well, at the time, it was my biggest buck I'd ever shot. And I was super stoked and proud of it. And Dustin heard the shot and he comes running over and he was just, he's like, no way. You only went that far and found a good deer. And, uh, we, uh, quartered him up and took him back to the truck. And he, he was a pretty cool deer. He had a couple inline extras and had this hole in the horn. And I've heard a lot of theories on how that happens. Some say it's a, a bug that gets in there, some kind of calcium deposit that creates that, but it just had some really cool character. And had I not been so poor. I probably would have put that deer on the wall, but back then I was uh, probably making about eight bucks an hour and it was all I could do to put a full tank of gas in my pickup truck just so I could go up in the hills and chase after critters. So, uh, that was the only deer we shot that year. Well, let's fast forward to 1998 and, uh, we had the same exact plan. So we go back up the same hillside, but this time we, we decided to hunt together. I believe we saw another hunter that was kind of back down. Uh, the ridge. So we hunted together and we hiked up the hillside and we got up towards the top of this ridge and there was a nice little bowl up there. And we got up there and we bumped this buck. Well, it runs out about a hundred yards and you can see it was a nice four point and uh, Dustin puts a good lick on him and he knocks him right down and we walk up to him and take some gripping grins. And uh, so we had the wild idea to uh, pack this deer out whole. And you know, we were 22 years old and we were in good shape and we we're also full of bad ideas. And this was one of them. We drug that thing through the creeks over logs. In fact, we tried to carry that thing on a log, like tying his legs to it on either end, like, you know, like, like Peter and the wolf, like some little cartoon. Yeah. That doesn't work when there's antlers dragging on the ground, but, uh, we packed him down. We got him down hole for whatever reason we decided we need to and took him back to town and, uh, took care of that deer. Well, I decided to come back up solo the next weekend and I was going to hunt the same place. So I hiked back up the same Ridge. Didn't see any people that trip. And, uh, I got up a little bit higher. I think I saw a couple of forked horns that morning, but nothing worth even pulling the rifle off the shoulder. And I get up to this nice little saddle and I'm creeping up to it. And just before I get to within range of the thing, I see a deer bust out of there. And I thought I saw a glint of antler and, uh, I go walking up there and there's this bed, right? in the perfect spot under this big old pine tree. And it was just concave in the ground where you can tell deer just been using this thing year after year after year. And it was just a perfect spot where it could look down two different drainages. And if anything was coming up at it, it could just bail off the backside, which is what it did to me. And so I look around and I see this huge track and I'm like, man, that's just gotta be a good buck. 
So I just kind of took my time and uh, I started following his tracks, just going in the direction that he was going. And I wasn't going too fast because it's hard enough to sneak up on a buck, especially a big old buck that's smart and has been chased when he knows you're there. So I kind of wanted him to calm down and kind of get back to, you know, his normal regime, wherever he wound up. So I just walked slow going in that direction. And about every hundred yards, every time I'd see some new country, I would sit down for about five, 10 minutes and just pick apart the hillside with my 10 power binoculars. And uh, I spotted a couple more deer, a couple more little bucks that morning, in fact. And, uh, but no big buck. Nothing nothing worth getting excited about because I wanted a good one that year. Because I'd actually, I had passed up um, a buck, I believe the day before, right like 100 yards from the road. It was like a little 20-inch four-point. And I was just like, no way, I wanted something better than that. Thank goodness I did. So I started, I just kept hiking in that same direction. And uh, it was about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It had been a long day. I've been hiking, hiking, hiking. And I was pretty tired, you know. I was in good shape back then. Like I was still running cross country races and I could, uh, I could run a mile pretty darn fast, but I was getting pretty tired, getting pretty late in the afternoon. And I hit this big bull right up in the top of the mountain. And it was just, it, it was literally perfect looking. There was some buck brush around there, some big granite rocks, some quakey aspens. And this one stand of trees in the middle of this bowl, there's probably about 30 pine trees in there. And just about the time I hit the edge of those pine trees, I hear this buck take off and you, you just you know that telltale thump 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 of those hooves hitting the ground the way uh, a mule deer just just bounces along and a thing busted out of there well i bank right and by the time i get to the edge of the trees and i look up on the hill he's already 300 yards out there and i can tell he's a good buck he's at least a big four point and i throw my gun up well i had this old 30 out six i bought when i was 16 years old with a lot more money and a four power loophole scope on it. So I couldn't zoom in very good at all. I could just tell he was a good deer. Well, he's 300 yards up the hill, running through buck brush, through rocks, quakey aspens, and there was just no way I was gonna put a good shot on him. In fact, if I did anything, I was just gonna educate this deer and I was gonna shoot at him and he's just gonna run faster and I'm never gonna see him again. So I let this deer go and he runs all the way up over the top of the hill. And I'm tired, but when you see a big deer like that, like you get this adrenaline rush. And as soon as he went over the top of that hill, I started following him. And uh, my hope was I would follow his tracks up there and he would be watching his, his back trail, which that's what we hear all the old timers talk about. They see big old bucks back in the day. Just as they run over the hill, they stop and look back to see what's chasing him. Well, he didn't seem like he was spooked real bad because he was just kind of trotting up through the up through the the hillside. And so, uh, just before I got up to where I crested over where he was, I go left up the mountain about 200 yards and I slowly start creeping over the top of that hill. Once I hit about 200 yards up and I'm ready. Cause I'm just in my mind's eye, he's watching his back trail in the trees. And, uh, I've, you know, I've, I've got my thumb on the safety I got a shell in the chamber and I hop up on this rock, right? Where I could see down this, the backside of this ridge. And, uh, I hop up on this rock and it just seemed like it was like slow motion, but it wasn't more than 10 seconds. And I hear that buck bust out. He's about a hundred yards over to my right and just a little bit below me. And he is going full tilt down the hillside. And I look and I have one 
gap in the trees that looked like it was probably about a 50 yard gap. And so I pull up and I'm just waiting for him to hit that gap. And as soon as he does, I start following him and I start following him. And I had maybe two seconds to put a lick on this buck. And I, right as I pull the trigger, all I see is green. So when I pulled the trigger, I had to have shot through the boughs of this pine tree and I wound up breaking his back. Well, I had no idea that it actually hit him. It happened so fast and I jack another shell in and I'm just kind of watching to see if I could see a deer going down through any of these other gaps. And uh, more so, I was listening for his hooves and I don't hear anything. I'm looking, looking, looking. And I look down underneath the boughs of this tree and I see him and he's trying to drag his front his front half of his front legs. And I could pretty much tell that his back was broke. But I learned a long time ago, if you have an animal that's still moving, and for no other reason, you you owe them um, the quickest, cleanest kill. If you're going to take an animal's life, you should never let them suffer. So you should definitely finish them off. If, if they're still alive, I am a full believer in put more lead in them. Put them out of their misery, misery and then you'll never lose one. Because way back when I was like 18 years old, I lost a buck. Um, I was hunting by myself, hiking down this hillside. And I see this buck at like 60 yards. He's bedded down. He's a real nice four point. And all I can see is from his neck up. Well, I just slowly pull my gun up, put the crossers on his neck, pull the trigger, and he just lays right over. Well, I walk up to him and I physically grab the hold of his antlers. Grab the hold of his antlers and he starts shaking a little bit. And I'm thinking it's just the dying quivers. Well, I just back up a little bit and I sit down on the stump. That deer jumped up and ran away. Well, my adrenaline was going so fast. Like I had buck fever so bad because this was the biggest deer I'd ever shot in my life at this point. He ran away. Never saw him again. So when I see this big buck, you know, that's the last thing I want to have happen. And so I shoot and he just falls right over, straight over him. Because he's only 120 yards down through the trees. And uh, I just take off running. I am so stoked. I just take off running down the hillside and I actually run past this deer. Like I ran like 30 yards past this deer, not a little bit. Well, I get down past and I pull up on the reins. I'm like, whoa, I'm like this seems a little too far. And I look back up the hill and the first thing I see is one side of his rack sticking up above the, the grass. And I just see this big old J hook kicker sticking up. And I'm just like, what in the heck is that? And I go walking up on this buck and there was no ground shrinkage. The thing just kept getting bigger and bigger. Like I couldn't believe how many points the thing had. Like it was huge. Had I known how big it was, I might've just started flinging lead when he was running up that hillside. But thank goodness I didn't. This thing was just giant. And if you think for even a second, I wasn't hooping and hollering, dancing on that mountainside, you would be dead wrong. I was the happiest hunter in this hemisphere. And I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. But I was definitely getting this buck mounted. He was a giant. So uh, I had a little predicament here how to get him out. Because I didn't know how to cape him back then. So And I cut him in half. Because I didn't know how to get that cape off. Well, as soon as I had him gutted out, I grabbed my pack and my gun. And I beat feet back over the mountain. Because I had to get to my truck and drive it back around the mountain. Luckily, there was an old logging road that came out right below where I shot this deer. So hike over my truck. Drive all the way around. Hike back up the hill. And I grab the front shoulders on that uh, buck with the horns on it and pack him down. And this thing is heavy. It was a huge deer, still had the hide on it. So you can imagine there's a ton of weight. And uh, I pack him back down to my truck. Well, it's dark by the time I get back down there. And there's no way I'm going back up. 
I, my legs were just beat for the day. So I just plan on sleeping in my truck, which I do a lot. I do it to this day. If I go up hunting, fishing, and the weather's just rotten out, and I want to put up a tent, I'll just uh, throw a sleeping bag in my front seat. Well, I got a Chevy big four-door pickup now, and it's got tons of leg room. So it's just nice to stretch out in there and then turn the heat on if I get cold. Well, back then, I had this old 91 Nissan pickup that uh, the only thing that never broke down on it, I think, was the four-wheel drive. <laughs> but uh, it was just a single cap four banger with a short bed on it. And as you can imagine, I'm six foot four, so I don't exactly fit in a little tiny pickup, but I made it work. I did it many, many times. And uh, so I'm sleeping in the front of my pickup truck that night. And I have to tell you this other crazy part of the story. So I'm going to fast forward till just after Christmas. And I was hanging out with a buddy of mine over his house, uh, my buddy Dusty. And he's like, man, do I have a story for you? He's like, so I have this uncle that goes up and hunts the high country. And he shoots big deer and big bulls almost every single year. But he'll never tell anybody where it's at. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. So he's been up there hunting this big non-typical buck for a couple of years and somebody shot it. Well, he was walking down a road and it was in the back of this guy's pickup truck and he takes a picture of it. Well, he produces this photo, this old Polaroid and shows it to me. Well, it's the back of my truck. His uncle had been walking down the road, been hunting that deer. He was just the next ridge over and took a picture of my deer while I was in the front seat of my truck. I just no way. What are the odds of that? Like they live in Twin Falls. I live in Boise. And then this is up past McCall. So it was just a crazy coincidence. Like I couldn't believe that it was my deer in the back of my truck. Well, Dusty knew right away because of my red uh, Nissan pickup. And uh, we got a good laugh about it. And I promptly told him of his hunting spot. And uh, <laughs> it, it, it was pretty wild. But uh, I woke up that next morning and it snowed about two inches. So it was pretty chilly. Well, I turn the truck on to heat up and uh, I go to roll out of that truck and my right leg had completely gone to sleep and I couldn't really tell. I was like super groggy. So I'm just trying to groan and moan and, and get out of that truck. And I go to plant my right foot on the ground and I instantly planted my face in the snow. <laughs> oh, I just ate it. I had a mouthful of dirt and snow and groaning on the ground I'm like oh my gosh I can't believe that just happened and I kind of popped up a little bit to see if anybody was looking which apparently there could have been somebody and uh I get up and finally collect myself and hike up the hill and uh get the rest of my deer and pack them back down and put them in that pickup and I think probably every camper and hunter up in those hills was probably annoyed by me because when I was driving out I was so stoked that I was I was blasting my radio <laughs> about as loud as it could go. Country boy can't survive. And uh, I just beat feet back down to town. And I couldn't wait to show my buddy Dustin the buck that I'd shot up there. And I got him back down. And one of the big regrets I have is I don't have any pictures of him when I first knocked him down up on the hill. You know, back then we just had disposable cameras. And, uh, you know, the, they worked sometimes. So the only picture I have is when I took him over to Dustin's, I just had the head at that point. And, uh, he's got a picture of me sitting on the back of my tailgate with a bunch of Mountain Dew cans laying all over the place. But, uh, I had a big old shit eating grin on my face. I was one happy hunter.
So the next day after I take those photos, I take it down to the road from where I was working at the time. And I go in that shop in old Troy Rose. You know, I, I met a lot of good friends from that deer. You know, the, a lot of my best memories from when I, the year I shot that deer in 98 was uh, meeting Troy Rose. Uh, he, he became a good friend. And then some of the guys in that shop, you know, there were some real characters in there. Old Craig Mooney, he always had some crazy stories. And then uh, my good friend, Mike Brady, that I'm still friends with, you know, we still go get after uh, Sturgeon and his jet boat. And that's just a blast in itself. But I made some really good friends that I've had for a long time now. And uh, I wasn't real sure how I was going to pay for the mount. So Troy just had me coming in there and I was just paying like 50 bucks a month, I think. Um, and eventually he's like, well, why don't you come in here and start skinning some hides for me and just pay it off that way. Well, I was like, sure, that, that seemed like a great little second job. So after I got off, got off work with uh, my HVAC job, I went down there and I was skinning out birds, ducks and geese, and then caping out deer and elk and moose and and we even we had some crazy animals came in there. There was giraffe. There was uh, j some cool African stuff that came in there and red deer. But uh, that was that was just it was such a fun place to go. And I tell you, I got some pretty good hunting fishing spots out of working down there. All the people would come in and uh, they would get pretty loosey goosey with uh, where they were hunting and fishing. But that was just a ton of fun. And uh, He's been on the wall since then, and I, I tell you, I look at him every single day, and I just love looking at that deer. And if you want to see a picture of him, he's actually in old Ryan Hatfield's uh, Idaho's Greatest Mule Deer Volume 2. He's on page 352. He's uh, 7x10, and uh, one, one regret I have is when I first knocked him down and I measured his horns, he was 36 wide. And I wish I had to put a piece of wood in between his horns to keep him wide, because he once he uh, dried now he's like 35 and change but uh he's just an awesome buck scores 218 and six eights and uh he's just a cool deer but uh you know looking back in the day you know i was just a kid going up there running around the hills and did whatever i had to to put enough gas in my truck and uh I guess the one thing I really have to thank for that big buck was uh, my poor optics. <laughs> Had I known he was that big, I'd have probably got buck fever and sailed about nine shells over the top of him, and he, he would have been gone into oblivion, and this would have been another big old buck story, the one that got away. But he didn't get away, and I'm I'm very thankful for it. But uh, I really hope you folks enjoyed the podcast. If you did, uh, I hope you'll tune back in for another fish story. Thanks for listening, folks.